This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The pro-life movement has seen remarkable growth since the Roe v. Wade ruling legalized abortion on demand in 1973. From a few dozen demonstrators marking the event in 1974, hundreds of thousands of people now participate in the annual March for Life. Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest provider of abortion, has come under fire in the wake of undercover videos showing how the organization harvests aborted babies' body parts for sale. The recent election saw pro-life candidates winning in state and local elections, not to mention the presidency and vice presidency. President-elect Donald Trump has promised to stop federal funding for Planned Parenthood and to appoint pro-life judges to various federal courts. What the future holds for the pro-life community is the topic of this week's World Lutheran News Digest, as I discuss it with the Reverend Michael Salmanick, Executive Director of Lutherans for Life. And now today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. The Washington State Supreme Court heard the case of a Christian florist who declined to provide flowers for a gay wedding. A lower court judge ruled last year that Baronel Stutzman, owner of Arlene's Flowers in Richland, Washington, violated an anti-discrimination law. Shortly after, the state attorney general filed a lawsuit against Stutzman for violating consumer protection and anti-discrimination laws for telling Robert Ingersoll that she could not provide the flowers for his wedding. The American Civil Liberties Union then filed a lawsuit on behalf of the gay couple. Stutzman's flower shop remains open despite multiple death threats, but it no longer serves weddings. She stands to lose everything in these lawsuits. Alliance Defending Freedom filed suit against the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire on behalf of two students who served as teaching assistants in Sunday school and religious education classes at a local Catholic church. However, they were blocked from using these hours toward the community service requirement they have to satisfy to graduate. One student had applied for credit for these hours and was denied, and after hearing that her friend's hours were denied, the other student has not yet attempted to get hers approved. The university's policy bans students from receiving credit hours for any time spent directly involved in promoting religious doctrine, proselytizing, or worship. Fueled by a social media post by actress and comedian Amy Schumer, Planned Parenthood is boasting about donations being made to its Indiana and Kentucky affiliate in the name of Republican Vice President-elect Mike Pence. As a congressman and governor, Pence fought for pro-life legislation and policies. A tweet from Schumer notes, You can make a donation to Planned Parenthood in Mike Pence's name and he'll receive a certificate of the donation. A Minnesota mother is suing her teenage child for transitioning from male to female without her permission. Anne-Marie Calgaro is also suing the 17-year-old's doctors and public health and school officials in the lawsuit filed in Minneapolis federal court Wednesday. Calgaro says in the lawsuit that her child has been treated at a Minneapolis health clinic and given medication for transgender issues without her consent. Calgaro says the school district where the teen is a student has taken away her parental rights and refused to release records to her. 
The lawsuit includes a copy of the letter of emancipation the teen obtained from a lawyer, but notes that the letter doesn't constitute a court order. Este é Notícias Luteranas pelo Mundo. This is Rural Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is the Reverend Michael Salamek, who's the Executive Director of Lutherans for Life. Pastor, would you introduce yourself and, and say a little bit about the organization? Yes, I've uh, been Executive Director since uh, January of 2015. Our organization exists to equip Lutherans to be gospel-motivated voices for life. And so we connect Lutheran doctrine, the Word of God, to Uh, cultural life issues, anywhere that our culture sees death as a solution, uh, we speak to that with the gospel of Jesus Christ as a better answer. We're a nationwide organization. We serve all kinds of Lutherans, and I'm very excited to be here and uh, share some information with your audience this morning. Well, it's ever since Roe v. Wade, the right to life movement refused to say die, and they've grown and grown and grown and the point where hundreds of thousands of people march in Washington every year to protest that that horrible Supreme Court decision. Mm -hmm. But we went into an election this year where the front runner was openly pro-abortion, and uh, mm -hmm. we went from the the saying of uh, safe, legal, and rare to public funding and no parental consent. However. Mm -hmm. The electorate spoke and gave quite a different message, and the candidate for that has also given a very different message. And Mr. Trump has openly endorsed the pro-life uh, position and has even said that he is looking at repealing federal funding for Planned Parenthood and to make the Hyde Amendment permanent. So what are we looking at for the future? Certainly our prayers uh, as conscientious Christian citizens who support the preciousness of every human life uh, would be that we have leaders and legislation that reflect that uh, and that protect every human being from the invisible miracle of conception to the moment of natural death. However, uh, as Christians, our task remains the same no matter who is in office, uh, knowing from the scriptures that no leader is placed there except by God and to accomplish his purposes. While we do support Uh, court cases and elected representatives and uh, laws that will and sort of enshrine that um, that sanctity of, of human life, especially those who are vulnerable by being disregarded uh, by our culture. Um, we know that the only thing that changes laws is changed hearts, and the only thing that changes hearts is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that human life's value comes from what God has done in creating and then redeeming and then connecting himself to every human being um, into eternity. And so we continue to advance that both in what we say and in what we do. And it's a very exciting time to be a part of the um, for-life community. Uh, the rate of abortion in the United States has declined for the last 25 years. And uh, certainly some of that is due to legislation that restricts access to abortion or requires um, more information to be given to those who are making a decision in those difficult times. But I think the majority of the effect has come from um, Christians who are really putting their love into action. Pregnancy resource centers, 
uh, that are popping up in uh, every community around the United States where Christians are reaching out and saying, not only is the life of your unborn child valuable to us, but your life and your marriage and your family are precious to us. And we're going to show that to you by taking you by the hand and helping you out with everything that you need um, to be able to have this child and raise this child in a loving home and a safe community. And uh, as we continue to do that, I think we're going to see the rate of abortion decline because, um, not because we do such a great job of reducing supply, but because we are reducing the demand. And the gospel has promised that it will always accomplish that among us. Pastor, something that I, I have observed and frankly has taken me a little bit by surprise is the growing support for the pro-life movement that is not necessarily from the Christian point of view. There has been a, a real sea change, I think, in the opinions of the of the public at large. Not all these people are Christian who are coming over to the pro-life movement. There's been something, mm-hmm. something's happened. Something has happened here that has moved these people. What, is it the educational process? Obviously, we, we, we believe that the hand of God is at work here, but are we talking about the educational process of groups like uh, Lutherans for Life? Are we talking about the uh, use of ultrasound to show these people that indeed this is a human being? Are we talking about the horrors that have been exposed to Planned Parenthood of selling baby parts? What is it? Well, it doesn't surprise us that uh, there is growing public sentiment that supports the sanctity of human life, especially the vulnerable. First of all, uh, there is a reasonable case to be made um, on the basis of science and sociological data that abortion and now assisted suicide are simply bad public policy. Um, First of all, as you mentioned, scientific advancements such as uh, the, the increased uh, accuracy and, and uh, uh, availability of ultrasound technology where people can see with their own eyes that this is not a blob of tissue or a clump of cells, that this is a, a tiny human being. Um, secondly, it is enshrined in our uh, culture that discrimination is unhealthy and even evil. Um, and when the light bulb goes on for people that... Um, support for uh, easy access to abortion on demand um, grows out of a discriminating against certain persons on the basis of their appearance or their age or their abilities or lack thereof. When that makes sense to people, I think instinctively they understand this goes against everything I believe as a human being, and it's also uh, bad for our culture. Um, And then finally, uh, the the reasonableness uh, of the case that we make um, for defending all of human life uh, without respect to uh, what might be cosmetic differences uh, for folks. Uh, I think that uh, the, the for-life community has become more savvy and winsome in the way that we make our case to people. And again, I do believe it goes back to the fact that um, Christians put their convictions into action, speaking the truth in love. And it is that love that flows from the gospel of Jesus Christ that overcomes any um, irrational fears or even intellectual objections. Uh, and people are beginning to think for themselves, and that's exactly what we want them to do. One of the things that I find fascinating is that science is actually on the side of the pro-life community. Now, for years... 
and even through today, you know, Christians and people of faith are always being denounced for ignoring science and for rejecting science. Uh, but yet, now science, when we look at the unborn, there's no question but that this is a distinct human being. We're not talking about a clump of cells that just happen to be in a woman's womb. It has its own EEG, it has its own heartbeat, it has its own separate DNA. This is a human being. Science confirms it. And I think this Absolutely. is perhaps... This from, is, from the very moment uh, that the little piece of mama and the little piece of daddy meet in the mother's womb, uh, from that moment on, a distinct organism has been created, one which is capable of uh, directing its own development, one which has all the parts that it will need uh, to continue to survive. And all that's necessary now is just for things uh, to get bigger. Um, yes, science is on, on that side. And, and this highlights a reason why we need uh, our young people to... Um, take up the, the vocations of scientific research so that um, political agendas don't overshadow what the data show us. And we have uh, good Christian brothers and sisters who have fought the good fight for uh, decades and generations to continue to reveal the truth um, that God is the creator and that he works through his orderly world um, to accomplish all of the things that he wills. Um, Christians have never been afraid of science because the natural world uh, is also under, under the direction of our one Lord. And, and uh, in this case, um, sometimes it is entirely appropriate for, uh, for, for life-affirming Christians to appeal to scientific consensus, um, not to be used as a hammer to beat people over the head or an, or an axe to uh, prove ourselves right, but in the sense that this confirms what I believe people instinctively know, that um, every human being is, is precious. And that brings up another point. We have, uh, obviously we've had so many successes right now on the pro-life side as far as the unborn are concerned. Uh, we certainly have hopes for what's going to be happening with the Supreme Court. But on the other hand, we have seen some losses in the concept of, quote, assisted suicide. And I remember Maggie Kerner, the great, great Lutheran lady who passed away after suffering a horrible, debilitating disease and fought it every step of the way and made very public that she was going to stay until God calls her. But we seem to be losing a little bit of ground in this area. So how are we addressing this? Well, again, um, data that are coming to us from sociological research in uh, European countries like the Netherlands and Belgium, where assisted suicide and even euthanasia have been legal for decades, um, that research is showing us that legalized assisted suicide is bad public policy that endangers already vulnerable populations. Um, when it comes to a Christian response to that, it flows from the same understanding as the sanctity of life at the beginning, that every human creature, no matter what stage, what state they're in, no matter what they look like or how old they are, or what they can't do or what they have done, remains precious to God and precious to his community. Uh, so we can say that God has better gifts to give. Um, for example, uh, assisted suicide is, is often advocated uh, as a means to relieving 
uh, unrelievable pain. Um, that relies on some deceptions. We know that upwards of 99% of chronic suffering and terminal illness can be adequately managed with the medical technologies that God has given us presently. Uh, but more than that, the Christian community understands that um, suffering can be uh, can be used by God to accomplish very great things. And suffering draws people together in ways that uh, other situations don't. And so we can see that every suffering has a purpose to God, and, uh, and human beings then are capable of offering that suffering sacrificially to God for His purposes. Or um, the argument from autonomy. Christians uh, are very aware that uh, God has created us to be um, relational creatures, and, and to be in relationship means that we depend upon one another. It's not a bad thing to be dependent. As a matter of fact, it's what elevates humankind above the animal kingdom, that we can depend on one another, and it is that dependency that God gives us as a gift, dependency upon Him, dependency upon our family, our neighbors, our congregations and communities, that really enriches life. And so we see these things um, in end-of-life situations or in situations of disability or chronic pain, uh, we see that God is capable through uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has victory over sin and death and the grave, uh, He is capable of giving us His blessings even though in those situations. And, and to the person who has faith to wait for the times and the means which God has appointed, He promises that there is great reward in trusting in the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me split hairs a little bit here. Let's say we're, we're facing an end-of-life situation. Now, there, it's, it's one thing to actually hasten your death by asking the doctor to provide a, a mixture that will kill you. But what about the person at the end of the life who simply says, discontinue my treatment, don't hasten it, but just discontinue the life-saving? What is that? Is that well, is that also perhaps... Even as, much as, even as much as our confession of the Lord Jesus Christ... Um, discourages us from seeking an early death. It also uh, encourages us to put our hope not in the extension of this life, uh, but in uh, the resurrection to life everlasting in the new creation. And so the Christian is not obligated to make their biological life last as long as is humanly possible. Certainly it's the case that present medical technologies can uh, keep body systems operating, in most cases indefinitely. But for the Christian who recognizes that Jesus is the Lord of life and death, and that he is a much better Lord of those things than we are, that Christian person in faith then is free to recognize in a situation that this particular treatment may actually uh, complicate suffering. It might not have uh, a highly reasonable possibility of even being effective in what it promises to do. And that Christian then can cut herself into God's hands, saying, uh, deliver us from evil. Give, give me a blessed end, Lord, as you have promised, um, in your time and according to your will. But um, certainly a Christian should not feel obligated um, to pursue every available experimental treatment for themselves or for their, lo for their loved ones, especially when those treatments have um, a, a low likelihood of proving uh, effective and where they have a high likelihood of actually uh, exacerbating the suffering of the patient. 
Pastor, I'm going to assume a role here I normally do not do on this program. I'm going to get personal. Uh, I am a widower, and uh, my wife, my late wife, was seriously ill, and uh, her final illness lasted about 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things came of that. One was that she wanted to hang on till the very end, and... Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the little delights that she got, for example, uh, I, I moved her her bed into our dining room because it, we were living in California at the time, because mm-hmm. it looked out upon the mountains, and she loved to see this, the shadows on the mountain as it changed, and I put a little bird feeder out there. She loved to watch the birds, and she derived such enormous pleasure from that. The other oh, thing, wonderful. And, uh, well, the other thing I recall was... My pastor there told me, you know, God gives us X number of days on this earth. And sometimes man intervenes and gives more than God intended. Now, this does not mean to hasten the death, but, you know, you can extend it. And she she chose that. And there was, a, it was not a pleasant experience. From my point of view, <laughs> it was not a it was not a pleasant thing to see happen to to watch her decline by that. But I always remember the sure. the simple joys that she had there toward the end. You know, just just watching that, and uh, mm-hmm. I wonder what what do you see from that? Well, I would say that that um, it sounds like uh, God blessed her entrance into eternity in exactly the way that he promises to do. And um, that means that God blessed it in those visible, knowable ways that you were able to appreciate and enjoy alongside her. But he blessed it even um, under a contrary form, even where it appeared that uh, it was only compounding misery, that God was still very active uh, in that situation, accomplishing his purposes as well. There is nothing... Uh, to prevent a Christian from making use of available medical technologies to try to enjoy every blessing that God has promised to those who trust in him, even in this life. Uh, But the gospel has set us free, and that means where there is no clear command, no clear prohibition in those situations uh, at the end of life, then uh, the conscientious Christian may follow that, uh, that course of action, which she has uh, discussed with family and explored with pastoral guidance and, and sought the Lord in prayer, and then offers to the Lord in faith. And if, if the conscientious Christian believes that even though a given treatment doesn't have uh, a high likelihood of being effective, but uh, they still, that person still wants to uh, take advantage of, of every possible moment that the Lord may be making available for them to be a witness, to be a, a light shining, especially in a dark place, then, um, then we as the Christian community encourage and support uh, and affirm that person in their decision as well. The truth is, um, yes, God has numbered the days of, of every human being on earth, but uh, none of us is able to discern the number of those days. Uh, we can't even make one hair on our head black or white. And so um, in Christian freedom, in the comfort and joy and hope of the gospel, in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection, uh, we go forward and, uh, and use uh, the, the reason and the faculties which God has given us, along with 
uh, medical professionals and their best judgment. And, and then we make a decision that we believe is best according to God's will, and we go forward and offer it to him for his purpose. And uh, there's nothing to suggest that your wife and her physicians, pastor, family, um, did not do all of that that was, that was in your capacity and uh, reaped God's benefits from it as well. And she did pass. Um, and it was, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say it was a good experience, but I certainly learned no, a great deal from it. Um, she made her choice. Had it been me, I would have made a different choice for myself. I would mm-hmm. have, I, sure. I would not have held on that long, but she wanted it. And she did have her joys and her pleasures toward the end. And, and we have to remember um, that, that God hides his blessings um, in, in places that would seem otherwise to us. And, and sometimes the extent and the character of those blessings will not be evident to us until we're on the other side of the grave and our faith becomes sight. Um, but in the meantime, we trust. And, and knowing that your wife was a woman of great faith, um, then there is nothing that can snatch her out of the Lord's hands. And, and he redeems all of her times. And even those times of um, of suffering that we can't understand has a purpose in the hands uh, of a good and loving God. And we know that that purpose is to accomplish the salvation uh, of his children. And so we give thanks for those opportunities. Well, Pastor, we're about out of time. Uh, would you like to make any final comments or about how people can get in touch with Lutherans for Life? Absolutely. Um, Lutherans for Life is accessible on the internet at www.lutheransforlife.org. We have a vast library of articles, Bible studies, and sermons, um, a, a wide variety of resources available on lots of different life issues uh, accessible to the layperson uh, to be able to know how to think and speak as a compassionate Christian to their neighbors and their culture that a lot of times is hurting so deeply that they see death as a solution. Uh, We continue to believe that it is the gospel word and the gospel in motion that makes a difference for people. And it is our joy to partner with uh, Lutherans across the United States and around the world to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Pastor, thank you very much for taking the time to explain this on the program. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kip, for the opportunity. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.